I have a few remarks uh, that I'd like to make in honor of this occasion. Okay. Okay. So in the proclamation that Mr. Cross read us before dinner, President Lincoln begins by pointing out the bountiful blessings that God had bestowed upon our nation, even as he was chastising them for chastising it for its sins. He speaks of the blessings of nature and blessings of the civil order. America was still able to till the soil and reap its fruits, to enjoy the blessings of respect for the law and peace with other nations. Its industry was prospering and its numbers increasing. In all these things, he saw the guiding hand of God and says, no human counsel hath devised, nor hath any moral hand, mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. He hath remembered his mercy. Here is the root of those blessings and the foundation for our gratitude. Considering that the proclamation was made at the height of our civil war, a war that was far longer and far bloodier than had been anticipated and was to last another year and a half. When the country was bearing the burden of those widowed and orphaned, was mourning and suffering because of the strife of soldiers that on both sides were her sons. In the midst of such bloodshed and suffering, to see the loving hand of God's mercy bestowing manifold and gracious gifts took a greatness of mind and heart. To see through God's chastisements to his loving heart could not have been easy, not because it was not visible in its gifts, but because in the midst of our sufferings, we find it hard to raise our eyes toward them. The mercy that God was bestowing on our nation when this proclamation was made is still being bestowed on us today and a recognition, or better, a remembrance of his mercy ought to move us to give him thanks from the very depths of our hearts. For it puts his gifts before us not only as freely given, but also as undeserved. It is not true, <clears throat> is it not true, that when we receive a gift from someone we have wronged, we see that the gift is meant to show the depths of the love they have for us? And so we read, God so loved the world as to give us his only begotten son. The, gospels from yes, the gospel from yesterday's feast, feast of the dedications of the churches of St. Peter and Paul, shows us something of God's mercy and how we should respond to it. Jesus was walking through Jericho, which was located on the north shore of the Dead Sea and saw Zacchaeus in a tree. With no instigation from Zacchaeus, our Lord called to him and asked him to come, asked if he could come to his house. This was utterly unlooked for. Zacchaeus was the first of publicans and rich through the extortion of money from the people over which he worked. The crowd saw this but with less merciful eyes, for they murmured that Jesus was going to the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus, 
who recognized his own unworthiness, saw the mercy behind this favor, and responded with admirable generosity, giving half of what he had to the poor and righting the wrongs he had done to others. But why was this mercy shown to Zacchaeus? Because though not deserving it, there was something in him that made him ready to receive it and through it to grow in his love of God. We are told that Zacchaeus was in the tree because he was short of stature and also that he wanted to see Jesus and not just <clears throat> to see him, but by seeing him to come to see who he was. Because of this desire, our Lord called to him and said, I must stay at your house today. Now God shows his mercy not just to persons like Zacchaeus and you and me, but also to cities and nations. In this light, I would like to look at the conversation between God and Abraham concerning the destruction of Sodom, another city on the shores of the Dead Sea. By the way, um, the significance of that is that the Dead Sea is the lowest spot on the surface of the earth, right? And so in Jesus going down to Jericho, or the Lord going down to Sodom, they are going down to the very lowest of places. It's a, a sign of uh, uh, the plenitude of God's condescension coming down from heaven, not just to Mount Zion, right, but from Mount Zion down to Jericho. We know the story. God is going to destroy Sodom because, of their, because their sin is very grave. But Abraham intercedes, far be it from you to destroy the just with the wicked. For the sake of 50, 45, 40, even just 10 men, God will not destroy Sodom. I've always been struck by Abraham stopping at 10. What would God have said if he had tried to get him to spare Sodom for just one just man? We don't know. But what we do know is that he found not even one. All the people of Sodom, to the last man, were caught up in its wickedness. Even Lot lingered when told to leave, and the angels had to seize him by the hand and lead him from the city. Remembering Abraham, he delivered Lot out of destruction. The next morning, Abraham rose early and looked toward Sodom and he saw smoke rising from the place. What was in his heart when he saw that? Did he doubt the mercy of God? But why would God be willing to spare the whole city so, as, uh, so given to sin for the sake of only 10 just men? We should certainly think of the parable of the wheat and the tares, in which the tares are allowed to grow lest any of the wheat be pulled up with them. But if there were only 10 just men in Sodom, surely God would have known who they were and could have led them from the city as he led Lot. I think it is because those 10 would have evoked from God not only his forbearance, but also his mercy for them and for the whole city. They would have been to Sodom what the hopeful desire was in Zacchaeus, that led him to want to see who Jesus was. They could have acted as a leaven 
that would lead to a rebirth of righteousness in Sodom. But they were not there, and Sodom was destroyed. It apparently lies now below the surface of the Dead Sea. Now, there was much that is wrong in our country today, just as there was at the time of the Civil War. But like with Zacchaeus, and unlike Sodom, God still bestows his mercy upon us, for we have something like Zacchaeus' longing still. With all that is wrong, there is much that is right. We are able to live in relative peace and harmony with each other, in spite of those who have been trying to make it otherwise. And we are still able to practice our religion in relative freedom, in spite of those who have been trying to make it otherwise. These are blessings of God's mercy, and they are bestowed, I am sure, so that the church, with all her faults and weaknesses due to the human instruments she uses, can be a leaven to our culture and to our nation. It is through the prayers and supplication of her members that she draws forth for our nation God's merciful love. Most especially, I think, it is the prayers of the many monks and nuns who have given over their whole lives to the worship and praise of God that he stays his wrath. But the rest of the church, too, is in his gaze as he looks forth for just ten just men. And this brings me to this community, to this college. We, too, have received God's merciful love. We have been given the great gift of spending a part of our lives here attempting to see Jesus, who he is. The success of this college, beginning from its founding, has been guided and protected by the provident and loving hand of God, and it is a merciful hand. We have not deserved the great blessings he has bestowed on us. But if he has bestowed them on us, then we must be exceedingly grateful. We must cherish his magnificence and use the graces he has given us to grow in righteousness and love so that we can be a leaven to those around us and to our country. Then we will be, like Zacchaeus, not merely receptacles, but also instruments of God's mercy. Now please join me in praying a glory be in thanksgiving to and adoration of our merciful God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.